two girls, one ghost. Hello. Hi. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And I just moved. Well, I moved a long time ago, but we have been kind of in flux and like scrambling. But we finally just got a bed frame put into my apartment. And I have to tell you about it because I'm literally obsessed with it. Okay. It's like a... Okay, so it's this company called It's Not Trash, and they basically refurbish all, like, old wood. <gasps> so it's amazing. I feel like I'm doing good for the world oh my and gosh. going greener. But then it's this gorgeous, custom-made wood bed frame. And also, it's a king, so I feel like I'm literally out on a boat. You have to send me a picture of this. And also, I need to immediately start shopping on that website. You need to. It's amazing. This is it's so amazing. fun. You got a bed frame as I also just got, I bought it from like the Netherlands, an ancient Chinese stool. Ooh, you have to send me a picture of that. We both have old wood, reclaimed wood in our homes. Look at us growing up and furnishing our lives. <laughs> this is adulthood. We were talking about that the other day. And by the other day, I mean this this past Sunday, which was game day. I heard that we're not allowed to say the word or else we'll get sued. So we won't We're say it, but say it's when the, the two football teams go and you eat wings and they play together. Why would we get sued? Because they apparently trademarked the name. Oh, okay. Well, I won't say it, but I cried my eyes out the entire time because I was just so excited and sad for the losers and then so excited for the winners. And I was like, <laughs> this is just such an emotional day. And I was just bawling my eyes out by the end of it and all the commercials. To be honest, I didn't play, pay attention at all. I just, I paid attention during the halftime show. And then I paid attention when people started talking about certain ads. And then I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll watch now. But <laughs> we were we were all talking about like, wow, this is adulthood. Because instead of, I, I don't know what our normal topics would have been, but we were all discussing houseplants and the best care and how you should care for your houseplants. And we're like, wow, this is, this is getting to the point where like these topics we're discussing, real riveting. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think we had that the other night, too. I feel like this is a common conversation recently all the time, where anytime I'm doing something social. It is, because I feel like we're finally tipping over where where we're doing it, but we're somewhat conscious of us doing it. I'm and I in, like it. I'm still deciding how I feel about it. Okay, well, I like it, and I want to see your bed frame, and I want to celebrate your bed frame. I love my bed frame. I will totally show it to you. It's exciting news. Um, I also feel like you and I have talked about how adult we feel on this podcast multiple times. <sighs> but you know what's keeping me young is Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I'm like, it's so, so good. It. It's so good. Okay, I'm really behind. So it, oh. by like two seasons. Oh, there's only like three. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the first season and then a lot happened in life and other shows came out and I just started on the second season because everyone started talking about the third season and i was like no i want to be a part of the conversation catch up. the main girl is named sabrina so like obviously you have to watch you have to and guess what she's dating or she was or she is I'm, i don't want to ruin anything a guy named nick isn't that crazy isn't if that crazy? only salem were actually named leah and then it would all come full circle or 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 Yes. Nick, I hope you're listening to this part. We get a cat named Salem. <laughs> Sabrina! Oh my god, your lip just like kind of curled up in the most <laughs> devious, mischievous way. And your eyebrow twitched. I've never seen you make that face. 
<laughs> oh gosh super clever well it's you know my... that would be a really good wedding gift for you guys uh, it's funny. Our friend Allie texted Nick and was like, I am so excited for my present I got you guys for the engagement party. I I already have the box with the air holes in it. And Nick was like, no. <laughs> of course, Allie did that. <laughs> Allie spends her life coming up with ways to roast Nick. Torture him. Yeah. She sent me a screenshot. He's so clever. He's the roaster. As many mm-hmm. people have noticed, I'm sure, in both our Instagram comments and also our, our Two Girls, One Ghost Facebook group, Nick is always there. Always. He loves to stir the pot. He, yeah, he does. That's his We game. fight over you. It's so fun. It's fun being in the middle, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> well, someone who might fight over me is a guy named Bigfoot, and he sent me some mail bigfoot sent you mail basically tell me more okay (laughs) i'm so excited oh my god you're crying (laughs) i went to the p.o box and there was a big package and i was like what did we get and i bring it back and then i run off to work and then i come back and then i open it and jill's here jill from hr Mm -hmm. my my roommate and we are dying over it so Open it up. First, there's a card. So I I read, I open the card. I feel like I'm experiencing it the same way you did. Because I, I, no so, I relived it every day <laughs> since I got it. <laughs> okay. And also, I've been keeping this note on my bedside table because I couldn't wait <laughs> to read it to you. And I was like, don't forget. Oh, my God. I wish everyone could see how cute and red you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blushing. okay it says howdy corinne bigfoot here big fan of the podcast so one day me and my human friend were looking at posts in the facebook group and came across an ad for a bigfoot quilt and thought i think that would be great to get corinne since she's a big fan of mine and it's cold a lot in boston so my human friend and i went to the website picked a size and bought it boy had we known it would take forever to ship i might have used my creature network to get it there faster but that's Uh okay i'm a pretty patient creature Anyway, I hope you love the blanket. I'm all over it. Different poses and such, and it's machine washable. I don't know what it means since I don't own a machine that washes things, but I hear it keeps things clean. See you on the other side. Delta dot of the country. Bigfoot. P.S. Shout out to my human friend, Dan. He talks a lot in the Facebook group, and I know he'll freak out in a good way when he hears this. Oh, my God. This is... That is the... First of all, Dan, wittiest note ever. Wittiest note. Also, now I do need to go hike the Appalachian Trail because now I have the most perfect quilt to cocoon myself in so that all of the creatures of the Appalachian Trail will leave me alone because they'll be like, "Mm, that's Bigfoot's girl. Can I see the quilt? Can I see the prize? I'll I'll send you a picture. It's currently out of reach and my setup, as you can see, is a little difficult. (laughs) I have a microphone in one hand and then the other hand is holding a pillow to drown out the noise in my apartment to hopefully make a clear recording. So currently, both hands are tied. Though Jill did take, I made her, as soon as I opened it, I made her take a, like a photo shoot of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I will, I don't look good. Like I'm you are sweaty and haggard. All post. over. I'm so happy. So <laughs> you are, I am making you post that on our Instagram. <laughs> so thank you, Dan. And thank you, Bigfoot. Wow. It's so great. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Like my my fists are clenched. You know, like when you're a little kid, you're just so excited. Yes. And you just have to hold it all in. <laughs> that is amazing. What a kind 
Wow, I didn't realize wow. I hadn't breathed that whole time. I just <laughs> let go of my <laughs> breath. Whew. Yeah. It all came back. I'm stoked. I just need to see it. So when the second we're done recording, I need that I will. photo. Um, speaking of excitement when you're a little kid, did this ever happen to you? Actually, it still happens to me today where suddenly you get so much energy and so much excitement that you just really, really, really need to scream to let yes. all of the energy out. But you can't because that's not society won't let you just scream whenever you feel like it. So you have to hold it in and it kind of turns into like a, you know, yes. Uh-huh. Is that happening to you right now? Yes. <laughs> well, I am not society, so I give you permission to scream. Let it out. Uh, I can't. I live in an apartment complex. People will yell Sometimes at me. it's therapeutic. Oh, my God. Speaking of apartment complex, the fires did... Oh, okay. What fires? So I live in a place in Los Angeles. Yes. And... Very descriptive. Love it. Tell everyone your address. Say the number. Yes. Uh, <laughs> nervous because I've had a stalker before. That's true. Has he called you recently? Not to. No, not thankfully. To, oh, good. You know, I'm, I'm more public than I've ever been and I'm stalker free. Maybe he got, he got a little shamed on the podcast last time you brought him up. You know what? They deserve to be shamed because stalking is not okay. No. Anyway, neither is setting fire. So there was a fire on my street like a week ago and it was on the corner of like a sh- the street near me and it was like an accident. It was at 630 in the morning. There, I guess there was a construction spark or something like the scaffolding fell down and set a fire and quickly the fire trucks put it out. Two hours later, a massive apartment building right across from me starts like it set on fire What? and people were like scaling the building, trying to get out. Oh my God. It was God. terrifying. And they think it was arson and they think that someone who was staying in or living in that apart- apartment complex saw the first fire and was inspired by the first fire to set the second one at the apartment complex. Set their own apartment complex on fire. So there's like this whole Airbnb thing. Like maybe there was an Airbnb in that apartment complex and someone was like renting out the Airbnb complex and set it on fire. Holy crap. That is so messed up. Isn't it crazy? And unfortunately, I think someone passed away. No. Oh, no. Fires are so scary. Oh, my gosh. So scary. I like woke up and it just reeked of smoke and there were tons and tons of fire trucks we're like, what is happening? And then I went outside to my front yard and the building was just on fire. It was so scary. Jeez. See, this is what happens when you move. You should just, you need to stay in your little safe zone. Uh, This is, no, this is why you move into the middle of nowhere and marry Bigfoot and you don't have to deal with any of that. Yeah. Until the forest goes up in flames. Oh God. Sadness, darkness. This is a ghost story podcast. Did you see that Snickers commercial about like the world is uh, like a world is falling apart. It's a mess. We need to feed the world a Snickers bar. Yes. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of because we're all going to shit. Did you see the one with Post Malone? I love him. Oh, did I see the one with Post Malone? That was hilarious. Good old Posty. I'm going to drink those. He sold me on that. Wow. Wow. Good advertising. Good advertising. Or is it my loyalty to Post Malone? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they knew what they were doing by using Post Malone. Oh, they did. He has loyal fans. And let's not forget about Smart Pack. That commercial. Oh, my. It was so good. It was so Boston. It's so good. (laughs) All right, guys. We're here because this is a podcast 
where we talk about ghosts and tell you ghost stories and we do research. And this week we researched haunted statues. 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 Religious statues, regular statues, good old statueronies. Like people frozen into statues because they're cursed. So scary. That's like, that's the OG Cinderella. Didn't they do that in Narnia too? Did they? Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. They do it all over. It's scary. There's also some urban, uh, not urban legend, like Greek mythology, I think, about people being turned into stone. I think that was a real fear back in the day, or at least it seems to be, because if you look at like, I don't know, 500 plus years ago, in so much of the text, it's all about turning people into stone. What text? The the texts. The, <laughs> the, the ones, you know. <laughs> the text. The text, Sabrina. The ones that Bigfoot sends me from the forest. Wow. I feel like I just had like a total brain fart. How did I not realize what you were saying? <laughs> <laughs> the only text that I get. Uh, but yeah, I mean, no, totally. There was, I think we were taught to, or we, maybe, maybe my past life lived in that time. We were taught to fear the gods. And if the gods had the power to turn you into stone, then you would for sure be afraid of that. Yeah. Maybe that's why I'm so afraid of being turned into stone today. Is that your biggest fear? No, not at all. My biggest fear is having my fingertips snapped off. That's what happens to cats when they get declawed. Really? Oh, That's why it's illegal in so many places. That's awful. Mm-hmm. I just, after watching you and they clipped his finger, it's become Ooh. a fear of mine. Did I tell you my brother, I think I've said this on the podcast, he was playing tug of war in elementary school and a kid, the rope severed off a kid's pinky. <gasps> oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Ooh, if you ever really want a true nightmare, look up what degloving means. Okay, well, now you need to tell me. It's when the skin and, and flesh around your finger rips off, but your bone doesn't. So, like, people will get caught, like, if their ring gets caught in something, it'll just kind of kind of squeeze everything off. It's so gross. What? It almost happened to me once. I got caught on a fence with my with a ring and kind of hung there and <gasps> they said it was a miracle i wasn't degloved so oh my god that's terrifying the spirits from above looked out for me that day scary and gross i'm really glad you still have your skin thank you me too i would have probably just fainted forever and never woken up i totally did av- okay well we can get to our podcast in a second but i you know it's called avocado hand where you slice yourself cutting open an avocado i did not know that well i totally did that to my finger and it was like you could see like the fatty Ow. underneath my skin coming through. It was so nasty. Oh, God. There's got to be an easier way to cut open an avocado. Someone needs to figure it out. A safer way. Safer way. I bet there is. Anyway, haunted statues. Who's first? You know, great question. I have no idea. Do you want to go? Don't you write it in the Excel? Let's see. Oh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I shall go. Thank you. You're, you're welcome, Sabrina. It's the least I could do. It's not like I'm <laughs> obligated to do anything. No, we're actually, we're not. This we do for fun. But I, I hold myself accountable here, so. I'm very glad. Teamwork. All right, so statues. Statues are representations of someone or something, and it reminds me, this topic reminds me a lot of haunted dolls. So I'd like mm-hmm. to think, and I think our research probably proves that statues are a pretty tempting vessel for spirits to enter. And not only are we going to give you proof, but there's also proof all over the internet. I got super sucked into YouTube. So (laughs) follow in our footsteps and come on this journey with us. Oh, I'm in. We're in it. So 
in my perusing of videos, I found a lot of creepy ass videos of like blinking statues, mummies moving, like mummies in their caskets moving, uh, a video of a snow white statue that blinked. Oh my God, that one was nightmare inducing. And there's just so, so, so many that you need to click on all the compilation videos because there's always a new one in, in each video. But no matter the statue, no matter the meaning or the religion, statues seem to be a hot spot to inhabit on occasion. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be interesting because there are so many cases of religious statues appearing to be uh, possessed or taken over for a certain period of time, I thought it would be interesting to look at some of the religious statues around the world that have said to be haunted or to exhibit supernatural powers. Question. Yes. You said around the worlds. Are there multiple worlds in this scenario? Did I say around the worlds? I think. And I'm really excited because I like multiple dimensions. I like space. You know, I meant world. However... (laughs) Who's to say? We may be in a simulation right now. It's very possible. I thought about that the other day when I looked at the moon. Because you know when it's like you can only see part of it, but then you can still see the rest of it, but it's like covered in darkness. And I'm like, it just looks like someone put like a black piece of paper over a bright light Hmm. and only half of it you can see. Awfully suspicious moon. (laughs) That's what I I see right through you. (laughs) Literally. I also was cracking – this is not about religious statues, <laughs> but I was cracking up the other day th- remembering how NASA, when they sent the first female astronaut into space, had they sent her with <laughs> 100 tampons for one week. And I just could <laughs> not stop laughing thinking about it. Like, I've never heard that. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Look it up. It's so funny. <laughs> it's real. They did that. <laughs> Oh, NASA. She was just like, I don't want to tell them. I don't want to embarrass them. She just took them. She said she told the world. <laughs> she toted 100 <laughs> tampons into space. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, into our religious statues. I'm going to touch on a few different religions and a few different statues and uh, do the best at explaining what these statues mean to those specific religions. Though I myself, I will say... I'm not really a practitioner of any one religion, and so I'm bound to probably get some things incorrect. Um, so I do apologize. But to begin, we are going to talk about some of the statues of Virgin Mary. Mm. There have been so many around the world, one world, singular, Earth, uh, <laughs> that have been reported to cry tears. Yes. And the response from the church is also so crazy like the church is just they're not so trusting of the crying statues and they are always set out to kind of disprove the statues as um, a hoax Hmm. so mary is a prominent figure in roman catholicism and she's believed to be the mother of jesus christ and in catholicism and a lot of christianity that means the mother of god so this figure is extremely important to people of that faith and um practicing that religion and there are many, many statues of Mary around the world, and the crying ones don't seem to have any rhyme or reason as to which location they're in either. It's all over the place. Hmm. So there have been quite a few statues of Mary that have been seen weeping. The statues shed tears. They weep due to supernatural means. That's like, if you ever see a weeping statue, that's pretty much the definition. It's supernatural tears coming out. And typically, the weeping statue 
weeps blood, oil, scented liquids, stuff of of that sort of substance. Blood. The blood one's weird. Scares me. And the belief is that these weeping statues lead to miraculous healings, that they are signs from above, that um, they're they're there to help reinstate people's faith and and make sure everybody is worshipping. However... Well, there are many people of the faith that believe that this is a true miracle that Mary is weeping. The church, like I said, often launches investigation. So if if the local mm-hmm. um, church and pe- priests, bishops, see, I said I, I knew I'd get stuff wrong. It's because I started okay. guessing. Um, if they're not able to to figure it out, they send in even higher up experts and and really try to debunk I appreciate that. The, yeah, it's kind of like just with exorcisms, you know, like there's so much that has to qualify someone for an actual exorcism right. uh, within Catholicism. Um, so the same sort of thing happens when it comes to weeping Mary statues. That's great. So the church itself has disproved many of these weeping statue phenomena as hoaxes. So the majority of them have been disproved like some of them that were for 30 years everyone believed in them they went back re-examined and they were like yeah this this we're debunking this because it wasn't a miracle instead it was a porous statue and and someone manipulated it etc etc they they always find the reason behind the weeping statue have you watched dairy girls on netflix oh yes are you going to talk about that oh because they have the the crying Mary, Virgin Mary statue. I but forgot about that. <laughs> it, it turns out the dog was just peeing up on the second level, and the pee was like dripping perfectly aligned down Virgin yeah. Mary statue's eyes. Oh my god, I totally forgot about that. So oh, good. Whoever hasn't seen Dairy Girls, you've got to watch that show. It's it is so hoot. good. It's a riot. Yeah, but okay. So like they did a whole episode with this with weeping yeah. Mother Mary. Mm-hmm. And so what's interesting is the church has always set out to kind of disprove this because they feel like it's it's easy to have some trickery and there's a lot of incentive for a lot of the places to provide such trickery to, you know, right. have the masses come out to worship and, and maybe mm-hmm. gain some notoriety and whatnot. Um, so they're always trying to disprove it. And then the other thing is, is they're always considering it being evil as well. So you would think immediately like a statue of Mary or a statue of any sort of like religious deity or figure, you would think automatically like, oh, it's the, it's a sign from someone of that faith. It's, it's good. God. Yeah. It's God. But uh, instead they consider both good and bad. They consider always it being something evil that maybe Satan himself is trying to manipulate the situation, manipulate the people, attract people so it's really interesting because they kind of come out at all angles of just disagreeing right away with with the statues so every year there are weeping statues reported and every year these statues are debunked but there's one case which i believe presently has not been debunked and it is a virgin mary statue in hobbs new mexico so what happened was there was a couple who was attending mass and they noticed some condensation some tears appearing on the statue of Mary and they brought it to the attention of, so uh, the priest was confused. And at first he asked 
well, who wet the statue? Who got the statue wet? And then they wiped away the condensation from the face, but the tears reappeared as if the statue was crying. And the liquid, they took a bit of the liquid. It was about a tablespoon worth in the end. And they they, uh, examined the tears and they found the tears to be olive oil and balsam, which is a mixture used for certain Catholic rituals. So you kind of could think two things. You could think, okay, well, someone obviously mixed, took this ritual oil and manipulated the statue so that it would appear to be weeping but then the other side is like okay well it's a mixture that we use in religion so of course the statue is going to cry tears and and send us a message that way it's not just going to be plain water so just a bunch of different back and forth and in all previous statues the structure had been proven to be porous and to have a cavity or scratches behind the eyes that would allow certain sub- substances such as like oil or blood or whatever to slowly seep through so it would appear like the tears kept reappearing or like the the statue was crying however with this particular mary statue that's in hobbs they have not yet been able to find the cause of the tears. And the manufacturer of the sculpture was contacted to see what could be causing this. But the manufacturer only confirmed that there's no logical reason as to why this could be happening with this mm. with the statue. And so people still have a healthy skepticism, but some believe that, you know, like it's just one of those things that we just don't know yet. So people are still toying with if this is a hoax or not. But here are some examples of some paranormal experiences surrounding religious statues, which you may have a harder time explaining away. Okay, in so over in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, there were several people who were gathered at the Pushan Service Center, and there were about 100 people inside. And these 100 people are surrounded by, there's a bunch of statues. So there's a bunch Mm -hmm. of Buddha statues that um, are just lined up around the center and 100 people are looking on and witness several of the Buddha statues start to move. These statues are moving their lips slightly. What? They're blinking. Their chest cavities are moving up and down as if they're breathing. No. And their fingers are also twitching a bit and moving up and down. And they're also emitting light, which is so crazy. I watched a ton of videos because this whole phenomenon occurred for about an hour in total. So 100 people plus an hour of activity equals so many videos. So I watched a bunch of different videos of different statues from different angles from this event. Oh my gosh. There was one that I watched that was super, super interesting because like the statues kind of look like there's some bit of light emitting from them. But then it's almost like pulsing. So like the light will be there, but then all of a sudden it'll get really, really bright that it's almost blinding. Some people are a little bit skeptical of this, even though there were so many recordings and so many people there. And they're like, oh, it's just a group stunt done to promote the center. However, they've never, ever been able to debunk the videos or explain how they were able to make the statues move in the way that they had. And that if this were indeed a stunt, because the statues were made of gold. So they were hard. Hmm. And then we're popping over to India. There is a statue of Sai Baba of Shirdi kept in a temple. And Sai Baba was an Indian spiritual master who was pretty highly regarded by both his Hindu and Muslim devotees. And he was considered a spiritual master or a saint. So during his life, he spoke about the importance of 
realization of the self. He taught people about the moral code of love. He taught people about forgiveness. He focused a lot on helping others, et cetera, et cetera. And he focused a lot on charity and inner peace. And he was working Mm -hmm. in the direction of divine consciousness. So everyone's like, okay, if there's ever going to be someone who is going to have a lot of power when he eventually moves over to the other side, it could be this guy. And he combined a lot of elements of both Hinduism and Islam into his teachings. He was very ambiguous about his religious affiliation too, and he never spoke on practicing one of those religions over the other. So it's unknown um, if he was leaning in any one direction, but he combined a lot of these religions and had just a huge amount of followers. And he lived more recently. So he only passed away in 1918, which is not that long ago. And in August of 1918, Sai Baba told some of his devotees that he would soon, quote, be leaving his mortal body. And then only two months later, he passed away. And there are now just a bunch of temples all over the world dedicated to him. Um, Many of them are in India, but there are other locations like in the U.S., in Fiji, in the Netherlands, Canada, Cuba, New Zealand, Germany, etc. And within these temples are marble statues of him. But there's one temple in particular that got a bunch of attention because it's believed that he inhabited his own statue for a short period of time Ooh! because there's security footage of the statue with a large wreath around its neck so someone had draped over this big long like floral wreath around the statue's neck it it hung really low Um, it was almost like a lay Mm -hmm. and there's security footage of the statue at night when no one else is around and you see the statue kind of like move ever so slightly and kind of like shrug its shoulders shimmying the wreath off of its body oh my gosh i need to watch this it's pretty wild it didn't like the wreath i guess yeah interesting this is why i never want to work at a museum or any of those type of situations because I would be too terrified that everything's going to come to life. Well, okay, so I will say this this isn't – it was debunked, but there was one video that was uh-huh. really freaking me out of – and it was the mummy. So there was a mummy that was in a glass case, and on security footage, you can see the mummy just, like, ever so slowly moving and turning completely around, just, like, doing a 360 throughout the day, untouched. But they went in and did a ton of investigating, and it turns out that there was this slight vibration in the floor that was making the mummy case itself just slowly, 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 slowly turn. So it it wasn't supernatural, even though it it looked paranormal for sure. It is supernatural in terms of like... It's so outside of the normal. Yes. Yeah. But I would have been, if I were like the night security guard at a museum, I would have, I would poop myself every night. (laughs) (laughs) Hell no. Same. Same. It's not as, it's not as fun and lovely as night at the museum. I bet you that. Yeah. Well, even night at the museum is a little scary. Like doesn't the dinosaur go after him? Yeah. So many things are trying to kill him. Yeah, exactly. Scary. But I like the, what's, what's the dumb, dumb guy? I don't remember. I like him. I love that we're basing our fear off of a fictional movie. (laughs) As most people do, right? That's true. It's what we know. That's just the basis of storytelling. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, okay, so another haunted figure is that of Krishna. So Krishna is a Hindu god. He is the eighth avatar of the god Vishnu and a supreme god himself. He is the god of compassion, tenderness, and love within Hinduism. And he's also mentioned in Buddhist texts as well. So you can imagine everybody's surprise and excitement, I guess maybe, when security footage was pointed towards a case of statues and one of the statues within this case is of Krishna and the footage caught this small statue of Krishna quickly pulling its or pushing its arm to the side and moving the item next to it it's just like a really quick small sharp movement but it's not that small actually because the statue itself is small so maybe the movement was like an inch or so but Given the dimensions, it, it's very obvious. Like, there's no red circle or arrow needed in that video to see what's going on. What did it push away? There was just, I don't know if it was like a, it was some sort of like staff that I think belonged with the statue, like some decorative accent. But and it just kind of like, like it. shoved it, <laughs> shoved it away. It appeared to. Okay. Wow. And then the last thing I'm going to tell you about is back in 1985, statues started spontaneously moving around Ireland. And the country is predominantly Catholic. And so many of the statues were holy statues of Catholicism. um, And the majority of them were Virgin Mary. So similar to the very first story that I opened with. Mm -hmm. And a resident of Ireland, John Miller, said that late one evening, sometime in August of 1985, he and his mother drove to a grotto to see their local statue because they had been hearing everywhere that all these statues were moving and they were like, what? So they wanted to see for themselves. So they go out and they're watching the statue to see what they can see. And there's sitting in front of Mary and absolutely nothing happened. And then after some time, after spending five, 10 minutes there, the statue starts to turn to the right, now facing the railway. But John said that the most fascinating part of this whole thing was that it actually wasn't the statue itself moving, but rather it seemed that there was a figure, like a spirit that had come down and that was appearing on the statue, almost like superimposing itself with the statue to create this appearance of movement. Whoa. So while this was super cool to see, this scared the crap out of John and his mother. (laughs) And he told her, don't open your mouth. Because both of them were like, what if this spirit comes and notices us and is like, oh, you know what? Inhabiting stone was all great and fun, but (laughs) I would much rather flesh and bone. Yeah, no. So they were paranoid that they were about to be possessed, which honestly, they might have been. It could have happened easily. It's so interesting that the immediate thought is so negative. And you were talking about that earlier, but it's just... Yeah, I know. And it goes it goes back and forth a lot. Like, so for this particular uh, statue in, in this grotto, mm-hmm. a bunch of people after John and his mother saw this happen, a bunch of other people had experiences with the same figure um, or the same statue. Wow. But it was a mix. So it was a mix of people seeing Mary with tears rolling down her face, other people were like, uh, I definitely saw the devil. So it was just all over the place in terms of whether it was good, bad, if it was a blessing and miracle, or if it was some demonic sort of possession type of thing, some manipulation Mm -hmm. of these. And you know what's scary is like, especially within Catholicism, we've talked about this plenty when we talk about when we do the like dominus possession type of episodes, 
is that entities that are extremely powerful enjoy manipulating religious relics. Yes. So people are wearing rosaries. People are clutching their crosses and sleeping with holy water next to their bed and crosses around their room. And the crosses will like turn upside down and fall and their rosary is ripped from their hand and their their cross necklace is broken and all of these things, which it feels like the proper thing to do in order to protect yourself. But I do wonder in case in the case of these statues, is that able to happen as well? You would think no, because statues seem so big and they seem like constantly surrounded by people who are of that religion or like coming to at least respect that religion. Right. But it's really curious. And I think it's so interesting that here John was like, no, it wasn't the statue. Like people are thinking they're seeing statues move. It's actually a spirit that's like pretending, superimposing itself on the statue, mimicking the statue and doing the movement itself. Yeah, it's very manipulative. Very manipulative. And some people were were really freaked out and they were like, "Ah, I must just be seeing things. It must just be the light or an optical illusion. But the statues were all over the country. This was happening everywhere in Ireland. And in West Cork, there was a businessman who recalled spending time that summer. He said he spent a lot of time visiting his local grotto, which had said to be one of the spots where the statue moved. Um, And he recalled that as the summer went by, the crowd was like bigger and bigger and bigger. Like the the amount of people that were drawn to these sites was just enormous. And he said that he visited the statue often and twice he saw movement. So one such instance he witnessed, he was one of thousands of witnesses, but the statue's movement could be measured. There was like this line created by this pillar. And you could see kind of where the statue was based on this line. And a bunch of people all at once saw the statue move behind the line and then in front of the line and then behind the line and then in front of the line. So it wasn't the sun because, you know, of course, it would look like it was going over this line that was cast or whatever. Right. But it was moving between. And one woman in the crowd was so scared she fainted. So what's really interesting about this this summer these few weeks and a couple months in Ireland of these moving Mm -hmm. statues is that some researchers believe that this was just a reflection of psychological insecurity based on everything that was going Mm -hmm. on in the world around them. So they thought it was going to be this or that it was this unconscious decision to believe in something that wasn't actually there as a means of distracting all of these people from the historical and cultural and political issues at the time because there were plenty one of the thoughts that crossed my mind was like a form of mass hysteria almost yes that's what's so interesting and it was all over ireland for some time wow and it does make me think because like you know sometimes your eyes like when you stare at something it almost seems like stuff is moving because your eyes are kind of just tripping out or something. You stare at something too long. Me every single night in bed. Yes. I know it's like that good old Instagram uh, meme where it says like the pile of clothes on my chair during the day. And then it's just a pile of clothes. (laughs) And then it's like, and the pile of clothes at night. And then it's like a little boy with glowing eyes just staring at you. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really interesting to think like, is this mass hysteria? Is this, well, this specific case there are plenty of the other statues that there what's the explanation for those right those movements but for this one in specific was it mass hysteria was it some sort of mass manipulation from the spiritual world up there or was it these 
spirits coming and superimposing themselves onto these statues to kind of like mess around for a little. Yeah. Was it the same thing messing around? Well, what I like to the idea of it maybe being a group of people wanting to believe in something during a hard time in the country in Ireland, perhaps it was a good spirit or group of spirits trying to help kind of unite a country in turmoil. Give them hope. Sabrina, what a lovely thought. That's what I would do if I was a god. Make me a god already. <laughs> I'll be president and you can be god. And then <laughs> and then we'll switch roles when I'm like, wait, actually, this really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no desire to be president. No, no way. <laughs> Never. President of the ghost club. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's so, yeah, that's actually a really lovely idea. It's almost like angelic. Like you have all of these spirit guides, these beings of higher power or or like, a, yeah. I don't know, like they've leveled up. I know that that's not, not like the correct terminology. Is this but Pokemon? Just, like gaming and stuff. <laughs> they've leveled up. They're at a different area. They've they've lived the amount of lives. They were, well, now we're getting into other religions. But yeah, it makes me wonder like, if there were multiple, who exactly they were, like, or what they were. Right. And what their prerogative was, which was interesting because there were so many people that, that both, like, with that one statue that John and his mother first saw of Mary, there were people that thought that they were being presented by the devil. Like, some people were like, oh, it's Mary crying. And other people, like himself, he, he saw this sort of, like, spirit surrounding the statue. And then other people were like, no, it's the devil presenting himself. Like, I'm seeing Satan. Yeah. I guess we will never know. Mm. But all I know is that the next time I pass the statue, I'm going to close my eyes and say, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> just close your eyes all the time passing anything because you're yep. just terrified it's going to come to life. Horrifying. Statues are creepy, are they not? Some, yes. Yes. Actually, yeah. Anything that is like lifelike but not life gives me the weird. Honestly, everything freaks me out. You know what really freaks me out? It's not necessarily statues, but wax figures at the wax museum. Mm, Those are scary. I always feel like they're about to come alive. Yeah. And then after starting this podcast, I also have a huge fear of life-size Barbie dolls. Oh, I've always had that fear. I'm just like a scaredy cat. All right. I'm very curious about what you picked because I didn't recognize the name at all. Okay. I could have sworn that we had maybe mentioned her. Did we? Before on the podcast. But then I was doing the research and I was like, maybe not. Maybe I've just read about her on my own. Yeah. maybe Probably from like one of our amazing listeners who posted it on our Facebook page or something. So I chose to talk about Black Aggie, a statue. And this is the name given to a statue that served as a marker for a grave in Druid Ridge Cemetery in Pikesville, Maryland. And it started out as like a regular grave plot and then very, very quickly turned into folklore, horror, Mm. and this like crazy onset of paranormal mystery. And it's really cool. I'm very excited about it. You know, like when you pick a topic because you're like, you read the one paragraph blurb and you're like, oh, this sounds really interesting. And then you start doing research about it and it becomes even more interesting. And you're like, oh, this is even better than I expected. Yes. And you get so excited. You want to scream like the way that you were saying earlier today in this episode. (laughs) Just keep it in. That's how I feel. (laughs) So the statue marked the grave of a man named General Felix Agnes, who was a French-born sculptor who also served as a soldier in the Franco-Austrian War and then came to the States and then served again in the American Civil War. And 
he was like a badass general. And people were like, hey, Felix, my man, Felix Agnes, do you want to become like the secretary of X, Y, and Z for the United States government? And Felix was like, nah, I did my part, but thanks. So he was like a wanted man in terms of like he was very respected and people listened to his word and they wanted him to be part of the U.S. government. But he turned a lot of these offers down because he was like, I want to settle into my own life. And he moved to Baltimore and he married a 13-year-old girl, Ooh, which I think was just normal back then. But anyway, the woman he ended up marrying, her name was Annie. And Annie's dad was the publisher of the Baltimore American newspaper. And as a lover of the arts and free press... Felix kind of took over that position and became the publisher of the Baltimore American newspaper. And prior to his death, Felix was very adamant on preparing his own memorial and his own funeral plot. He bought an entire plot for his family at Druid Ridge Cemetery in Pikesville, Maryland. He wanted to adorn his plot with the perfect monument as a, to mark his death as big as he made a mark in life, basically. Hmm. So he wanted his, like, plot to be like, ah, oh, that's where Agnes, Felix Agnes lies. He was a great man in life, and look at his plot. It is so great in death. <laughs> so that is when he stumbled upon a statue referred to as Grief, which was originally sculpted by Augusta St. Gaudens in 1891. And the story about this statue is very, very interesting because it was commissioned by Henry Adams, who is the grandson of President John Adams. And his wife, Clover Adams's father, passed away. And she was so stricken by grief and depression that she couldn't overcome that she ended up drinking the chemicals she used to develop photographs in 1885 Ooh. and dying by suicide. Henry Adams was completely distraught, completely a wreck. He didn't know how to handle his wife's death. And he was just like, it was heartbreaking. He wanted to memorialize his beloved wife, and it was then that he contacted this man, Augustus St. Gaudens, and he commissioned Gaudens to sculpt a depiction of Nirvana. He said, I want to demonstrate that my, like, he, he basically thought his wife was everything. He held her to such a high standard, and he wanted to make sure that she would be at peace in the afterlife. So he had studied Buddhism and the concept of Buddhism and the ultimate goal of Nirvana. And he said he wanted to have a monument outside of his wife's grave that demonstrated and would guide his late wife in the afterlife, which is basically to release from the cycles of life and death, desire and pain, and extinction of the passions, leading, leading to inner quietude. So he basically just wanted that for his wife. And he thought by constructing this statue would help that. So Augustus took the prompt and created a moody and evocative draped figure of a woman whose melancholy face is covered with a huge black hood. And they placed it at Clover's grave. And apparently people started calling it people. And by people, I mean, Mark Twain coined the term grief because he visited this statue and just was struck by the feeling of grief. And this became the name of the statue. But Henry Adams was actually really furious by that because he was like, this statue doesn't mean grief. It means nirvana. And so he was really upset that people were calling it grief. Mm. But the statue is called grief. And that's what I will refer okay. to it as. And it became renowned around the world. It really became like this beautiful sculpture, a true sensation. And that is why Felix stumbled upon it when he was planning his own family plot. Because he was like, 
it was a well-known statue. He had seen it before. And it, it really is like a kind of mesmerizing statue to look at because it really has a lot of emotion. And when you look at it, it's like sad, but also um, it's a very like striking piece. So for Felix, who's like, I want to make a mark in, in death and in, in life, he's like, this is the thing. So he was like, I want that. I want a replica of grief. But unfortunately, Henry Adams, who was the owner of the statue, was like fiercely protective of the statue and felt that only his wife deserved it. And because of that, he refused any request to duplicate it. So him and Augustus, who are the original, who, Augustus, who's the original sculptor of it, decided that they would not approve of anyone's request to replicate this. Felix is learning the history of the statue in 1902, and he's like, I like this. Me wanty. So he contacts. <laughs> <laughs> so he contacts every art dealer and every sculptor he knows. And finally, he finds a dealer who's like, hey, you know how Augustus never uh, and Henry Adams never approved anyone to replicate it. Guess what? I got permission. And I have a sculptor who's authorized to furnish life-size duplicates of grief. And so Felix like, hell yeah, that's amazing. And he gets his mother's corpse, who had passed away in France. They, like, basically ship her corpse all the way over to Maryland so that he can bury her underneath this, underneath this sculpture. Wow. And so Felix receives this bronze copy of Grief and adorns it in his family plot located at the Druid Ridge Cemetery in Maryland. He buries his mother and goes on with life. Until Augustus's, Augustus St. Godon's widow, Augusta, yes, Augustus and Augusta, were married. Augustus and Augusta. No way. So Augustus at this point had passed away. Augusta, his widow, finds out that Felix had had this sculpture made. And she's like, wait a second. Augustus and Henry Adams have never approved this. Like, this is illegal. This is not authorized. This is. And so basically it's a fraud. That meant that the dealer Felix had been in contact with lied to him and that the statue was a fake, an illegal copy and the copy was actually made by a guy named Edward La Pouch. But so this was like totally illegal. And Augustus was furious and she did everything in her power to file a legal action against Felix Agnes, but it never went far. And in 1925, Felix Agnes was buried beneath his bronze copy of grief. And very quickly after Felix's death, these rumors of the haunted statue at the Druid Cemetery began. People were quickly terrified of the statue. They claimed that if they were in the cemetery after midnight, her eyes would glow red if you were to pass her. And some spoke of horrors they saw when they looked into her eyes. One man claimed that he was walking through the cemetery late at night and was drawn towards a red glow. He walked towards it and found the source. The statue's eyes were aglow. He was mesmerized, Ooh. and upon making direct eye contact with her, he was struck with a horrible vision of his own <gasps> death. Oh, my gosh. What? And legend says that he did, in fact, die of that same cause he saw that fateful night. We can never go there. Well, she's been moved. But there are more scary stories and legends that have happened around her. So as time went Jeez. on, the statue was given the name Black Aggie, which I believe is because Felix Agnes. So like Agnes Aggie, maybe, is where it came from. Or yeah. there's also a belief that maybe it was a nickname because of Augusta St. Godin, like Aggie is a nickname for Augusta, maybe. And mm. that she was so furious that maybe she put a curse on the statue, maybe. Maybe. Anyway, Black Aggie is how the statue became known. So she's like a black stone 
statue and Aggie, so black Aggie. And she became a local spot for trespassing teens, fraternity rituals, paranormal sleuths, and graffiti artists. And legends spread of powers that Black Aggie had. And some believe that Augusta St. Gaudin had the statue cursed after Felix Agnes refused to remove it. Although no one can really verify that. There's also some legend that says that Augusta herself is haunting the statue or another legend that says a witch cursed it or a witch was buried beneath the statue and using the statue to harness her powers in the afterlife. No one really knows. But people have reported that Black Aggie has power to awaken the spirits that reside in Druid Ridge Cemetery. And that at night they would all rise from their graves and congregate around Black Aggie. I don't know what they were doing or what was happening, but people... Can you imagine being someone who's super sensitive and walking past that cemetery at night and just seeing just a huddle of ghosts around this one statue? I w- it's no. so ominous. I'd be like, do not involve me in yes. this. I'm just, I'm going to keep walking. Yeah. And there are stories of people attempting to sit in Aggie's lap only to die within the next two weeks. And there are encounters where the statue came to life. She wrapped her arms around passerbys and tried clutching at small children. What? Yeah. And the legends became so vibrant and popular that a local fraternity utilized Aggie as a part of a hazing ritual. So the new pledges would have <gasps> no! to spend the night in the cemetery alone and were told to sit in Aggie's lap and were not allowed to leave until the sun came up. No, no, never, ever, ever involve the paranormal world in your little stupid games. Exactly. And also just don't haze people. Bad. Don't haze people. Yeah. Okay. So make them baked goods, offer them refreshments, <laughs> and get to know one be another. Be friends. Lifelong friends. Just be friends. Okay. I have a ghost story for you regarding okay. the fraternities. Okay. One dark night, two fraternity members accompanied new hopefuls to the cemetery and watched while he took his place underneath the creepy statue. The clouds had obscured the moon that night, and the whole area surrounding the dark statue was filled with a sense of anger and malice. It felt as if a storm were brewing in that part of the cemetery, and to their chagrin, the two fraternity members noticed that gray shadows seemed to be clustering around the body of a frightened fraternity candidate crouching in front of the statue. What had been a funny initiation rite suddenly took on an air of danger. One of the fraternity brothers stepped forward in alarm to call out to the initiate, and as he did, the statue above the boy stirred ominously. The two fraternity brothers froze in shock as the shrouded head turned toward the new candidate. They saw the gleam of glowing red eyes beneath the concealing hood as the statue's arms reached out toward the cowering boy. With shouts of alarm, the fraternity brothers leapt forward to rescue the initiate, but it was too late. The initiate gave one horrified yell, and then his body disappeared into the embrace of the dark angel. What? The fraternity brothers... This is not the way I thought it was going to (laughs) go. The fraternity brothers skidded to a halt as the statue thoughtfully rested its glowing eyes upon them. With gasps of horror, the boys fled from the cemetery before the statue could grab them. Hearing the screams, a night watchman hurried to the Agnes plot, and to his amazement and fear, he found and discovered the body of a young man lying at the foot of the statue. The young man had apparently died of fright. 
you know, as you were reading, I was like, how lovely all the spirits came to save him because he's part of an initiation and he's all scared and vulnerable and they're going to protect him. Sorry, Grin. What a turn of events. I'm pretty sure that's a made up story because I think I would have found in the news that a fraternity boy had been murdered in a cemetery. But it's a great ghost story. It's a good old ghost story. So Um, another tale had it that those who visited Aggie at midnight would lose their virginity within 24 hours. So there were all these like 15 year old boys in the town who like this rumor would go around and they'd be like, oh, my God, okay. Let's go make the pilgrimage to Black Aggie and, like, go visit her. Maybe we'll lose our virginity. I don't know if they did. I know. It's one of those things for me where it's like, so our friend Cahill has that wolf shirt, and I'm kind of picturing it as the wolf shirt. Whenever anyone wears the wolf shirt, they have a good night. And it makes me think that maybe if people go and visit Aggie, They just put off this vibe. They have this air about them where they're just, they will it to be. And so it is. And so it is. Yeah. I think it's a cute little like 15 year olds just being like, I want to, you know, it's cute. Yeah. And they all go together and they're all giggling. And yeah, it's just like a fun urban legend. There's a story of a man who was a night watchman. And one night in 1962, he apparently lost his arm while on duty, and he claimed that Black Aggie had cut it off. What? <gasps> How did he not die of fright? I would drop dead if yeah, if I if my arm was being cut off by a statue. Yeah, but who knows what had actually happened, and if if that's even I doubt that's true. But it's like crazy. He something must have happened to make him believe that. You know? How interesting that that's an interesting thing that you bring up i wonder if maybe i'm just really trying to spin this in any way that i can to make black aggie not as scary and terrifying as she is but i wonder if maybe there are other bad things in the cemetery bad people in the cemetery and to cloud to cloak people to save them from their real interaction with these scary people to save them from that awful awful memory she inserts herself as wow so she sacrifices herself and makes herself the yes, bad person. Yes, the image of herself to help block out horrible memories. But then she's not being helpful in terms of catching the bad people because the people who are harmed by the bad people can't remember the bad people. Oh, there's no good answer here. <laughs> there's all these different other legends, one that's too sad for me to say. But basically, newspapers and citizens blamed unexplained tragedies in the town and any weird deaths and mysteries on the statue. And they were just like, Black Aggies cursed our town, basically. Mm. And over time, Black Aggie, the statue of grief, became so heavily vandalized by 15-year-old boys who were wishing to lose their virginity or terrified frat boys who spent the night with her and all other sorts of looky-loos who wanted to see what the hubbub was about, that the Agnes family finally decided to remove the statue from the cemetery entirely. And they donated it to the Smithsonian, but the Smithsonian was like, this isn't, no, we can't take this because this is an unauthorized copy of the original Augustus St. Gaudens statue grief. So they were like, sorry, we can't put this in our museum because it's not legit. So instead of putting her in the museum, the General Services Administration placed her in a sunny courtyard outside of the federal courthouse in Washington, D.C. in 1998, and she still stands there today 
Lots of people actually eat their lunch out in that courtyard. I was just thinking, like, just sitting right next to her eating uh-huh. your lunch. And ironically, the statue's final or current resting place, because I don't know if it's final, but the current resting place is in the exact same neighborhood where Clover Adams, Henry Adams's wife, who died by drinking the photograph chemicals, mm-hmm. it is in the exact same neighborhood in which she had taken all the way back in 1885, which is what inspired the original statue called Grief. Do you think that maybe it was her this entire time? Like, not necessarily her as in her actual spirit, but just going all the way back to the Bell Witch oh, case. Yeah. The, the just idea that someone sold a piece of them that's so angry about something could break off as their soul journeys on to its next life or wherever it goes in the afterlife – And this one piece just festers and evolves and becomes this evil thing. Or it's Henry Adams' spirit who wanted to get the statue back towards closer to where his wife had passed away to try to reunite with her. Mm. Possibilities. And it would make sense that he would cause tragedies to people in that town because he's like, screw all of you guys for stealing my wife's statue. It makes me wonder if if anyone's caught anything on camera because a statue that's so involved and so interactive and has so many different legends and and lore and stories surrounding it. It makes me wonder if taking its photo provokes it in any any sort of way. I don't know. I didn't look that up. I was too scared. I don't. I'm too scared too. I don't know why I brought it up. Maybe tomorrow morning I'll look it up and see. Okay. I report I back. I'm too scared always. I'll be cowering in my Bigfoot blanket. <laughs> You'll be safe because your boyfriend will be keeping you safe. Alrighty. I have a ghostly tale for us sent in from our listener, Aaron. Ooh. It is called Godmother's Haunted House. Dear Sabrina, Corinne, and Leia the Cat, and <laughs> resident podcast ghost. This story is also a story that I posted in the Paranormal Facebook group on Facebook, and now you guys get to read it too. Okay, so this is the story. My first paranormal experience took place when I was about seven years old, around 1994. I went with my mother and brother to visit my godmother Lynn's family in her massive 11-bedroom home in Pennsylvania. Damn. Yeah, woo-wee. This house was gorgeous and much bigger than any other house I'd been in before. It had a library, a ballroom, and as a seven-year-old kid, I felt like I had walked into Disney's Beauty and the Beast. My dream. Lynn, my godmother, is an interior designer, and she had two sons, Alexander and Graham, but no daughters. And so she was excited to show me the guest bedroom in the children's wing that she had decorated super girly, especially for me, complete with a huge queen-size canopy bed for me and a matching cradle for my American girls doll, Samantha. Yes, there was an actual children's wing, complete with creepy antique toys that lined the window's ledge along the corridor that she collected before moving into the home. Yikes. Yeah. Although this is like the most magical movie set as well. (laughs) Yes, I would definitely want to roam around. Because the house was huge and I was scared, (laughs) (laughs) my mom stayed with me in the queen bed in my room and my older brother stayed with the boys down the hall in their room. I put Samantha 
I put my Samantha doll to bed and went to sleep. At some point in the night, my mom got up to use the bathroom and I awoke in the room to see an older woman with a white blouse and high waist floor length skirt. Her hair was pulled up in a French twist and she was beautiful, but quite a bit older than my mom. But I wasn't scared at all. For some reason, I was completely comfortable with this strange woman in my room. (laughs) She came to the side of my bed and said nothing that I can remember, but I knew telepathically that she wanted to tuck me in. So I laid back down and she tucked all of the covers in underneath me on both sides, which I'd never seen or heard of before. My parents' version of putting us to bed was basically just pulling up the covers and reading a bedtime story. (laughs) Then she rocked my doll in her cradle and slipped back out the door. When my mom comes back into the room a minute or so later, I'm completely cocooned in the bedding and she asks me what I was doing. And I told her that there'd been a nice old lady that came and tucked me in. My mom had no idea what I was talking about when she noticed my Samantha doll was still rocking a bit in her cradle. (gasps) She thought that I must have gotten out of bed and moved it myself. Nope. In the morning, when we went downstairs to breakfast, I asked my godmother about the nice lady that came into my room the night before. Completely unfazed, she just said, oh, we call her Emily. Oh my gosh. Then she proceeds to bring us into the front foyer of the house and shows us a marble bust of a Victorian woman that looked exactly like the woman who tucked me into the bed the night before. No way. She explains... Again, totally nonchalant that before she moved into the home, she went to dozens of antique and estate sales and fell in love with this bust of a Victorian woman that she found at an estate sale. When she finished the closing on the home, the broker gave them a manila envelope with some history about the home and the original owners, building info and a very old photograph of the original owners. The wife in the photo, which was then framed on the front table in the foyer next to the marble statue, looked exactly like no. the marble statue <gasps> that she had already bought from the home and had in storage. No way. She said that she had multiple experiences with the, with the spirit, and so had all of the other kids since they moved into the home. But since Emily seems to be harmless and a helpful ghost, my godmother just decided to let her be. Whoa. Signed, Aaron. That's amazing, isn't it? Like, what a nice, lovely little little ghost lady. And she's just helping everybody out. She's just rocking the little doll, making sure she's all tucked into bed. She's being very sweet. So if it if it is, I'm assuming it's the owner, because that's what it sounds like, the original owner. Which is so amazing that she found her bust and they like felt such a connection to it and right. brought it with them. It's almost like they got the bus before they even bought the home and that this woman, Emily, knew that she was going to buy the home and connected with her through that, which is amazing. I know. It's like she wanted to be with that family. Like, if I'm going to spend my time with anyone, it should be these people. Totally. That's what it feels like. She must really enjoy children. I wonder if she was just like, this home is going to have a lot of kids and they're all going to be running around and I'm going to get to see all of them. Right. So crazy. Also, uh, she sent us a, a link to that area, and I am shopping the homes. Trust me, I am doing the exact same thing. There are some monstrous homes in that area. I understand now why there's a children's wing. Yeah, I think we need to move to Pennsylvania. Like 7,000 square feet. Hi. I'm pretty sure my apartment's like 300. Well, this house is so pretty. I know. White picket fences. 
there's a yard. You can touch grass. Whoa. Uh, I just want to dream Beauty and the Beast library. That's what I want so bad. I know. Wouldn't it be lovely? It would be. That's a beautiful story and truly not scary. I thought for a minute it was going to be her Samantha doll came to life and was tucking her in. Oh, my God. That would be crazy. Okay. Well, now I'm going to have nightmares. Thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's hear a final story from a listener. Great. Read by the girl with the most soothing voice in the world, Uh, Sabrina. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) Okay. This is from Amy. She says, haunted artifact, maybe. Hey, ghostesses. I think I may have emailed you a while back. But I'm currently listening to your Haunted Artifacts episode, episode 42, and it reminded me I have a story that happened to my grandfather's sister after my grandfather passed away. So my grandfather passed away six years ago, and this story still sticks with me because it reminds me of how diverse spirituality can be, especially in the region I live in, which is South, South Texas, the Rio Grande Valley. My grandfather was really into the occult, but I did not know this about him when he was alive. Due to his alcoholism, I wouldn't see him as often as I wished I had now that he is gone. A family member found his body when my mom asked them to check in on him because he wasn't answering his phone and he had been sick the day before. He was a follower of La Santa Muerte, which is Saint Death, and he had a giant, at least three foot tall wooden statue of her in his house. The statue has to have offerings every day or so to keep La Santa Muerte appeased from what I was told. Her offerings were usually a shot of alcohol once a day. The day my grandfather died, he hadn't give her, given her any offering. And the next day, no one gave her one either. So my aunt, my grandfather's sister, lived in the house attached to my grandfather's house. The second night after my grandfather's death, she was pulled out of bed by her ankles, and so was her son. My aunt remembered about La Santa Morate statue in his house and instantly told her son to go leave an offering for her. The days following, they left an offering until they couldn't find another home for La Santa Muerte because no one else in my family wanted the statue. My maternal grandfather was the only one that worshipped her, although my maternal grandmother has once stated that she used to worship her when she was married to him, but once they divorced, she went back to traditional Catholicism. Once my aunt and her son gave La Santa Muerte her offerings, they no longer had any more experiences of being pulled out of their beds by their ankles. I am loving your podcast and have told as many people as I know about it. See you on the other side, Amy. And then she sent us a link about La Santa Muerte because she didn't know much about her and thought it was very interesting. It kind of reminds me of Gryla in a way. Like you have to give the offering or bad things to come. Oh, that's interesting. I also wonder if it was her grandfather coming through and, you know, communicating with the family. Interesting, but to scare people by pulling their ankles? I don't know. Maybe it was like a thing that he used to like grab their ankles playfully when they're, I don't know. Right, like a little joke. Yeah. Maybe he thinks that that's the the least threatening way to present himself in a stern manner. Yeah, maybe. But it is interesting that this this uh, statue or this entity that you worshipped, you had to take a shot of alcohol or give her a shot of alcohol every day. I, I like her. <laughs> <laughs> She's your type of girl. Yeah, I like requesting things. I think I might be on a schedule. Like one day of the week, I would like a glass of wine or rosé. The next day, I need a a spoonful of raw cookie dough. Ooh, I want that too. And so on. And so on. 
like a little advent calendar, but it just repeats itself weekly. It is interesting. I mean, similar to your religious statues discussion, like when you worship something every day, that part of that statue or entity must be there, right? And then mm. it expects you to continue giving it your its offerings. So interesting. So interesting. And hey, we made a deal. Give give me my offering. Yeah. And then it's interesting because her aunt gave the offering and then it didn't, I mean, maybe they kept giving it to the statue, but it felt like they gave it to the statue that once and then nothing ever happened again. Right. No, I'm just like, my brain is running a million miles a second right now because I'm just like, the offering thing is what's tripping me up because I'm trying to think of all the different scenarios of it being a good versus bad. And I tend to, I feel like in this scenario, I want to go in the direction of it being some sort of like manipulative spirit. That's like, no, I need your loyalty and devotion. You have to pay attention to me. You have to give me energy. Right. But that's also a lot of religions do worship to, to statues and give offerings. So it's true. It's a practice, I think, to show your faith in your, your respect to the gods. It is. It's just, my question is how, how do you know? I guess you don't. But like, how do you know when you're doing it appropriately and that you're reaching who you intended to reach? You don't. You just have to believe. That is faith. You must believe. You must believe. Just like I believe I'm moving to Gwynedd Valley, Pennsylvania <laughs> and buying a 12,000 square foot home. Oh, wow. I'm deep. That could eat a hundred of my apartments. Literally. This is like the one I, I'll send you this. There are fairies that live in this backyard, 100%. Oh my God, it's so fun. I want fairies in my backyard. It's a castle. All right. Well, if you have ghost stories, if you have houses for us to buy anywhere in the country or the world, please send them to us. And if you have any experiences with statues, please yes. let us know. That's. I feel like this was a topic where we actually don't have a ton of uh, listener emails on this. So I would love to read some. Yes, please. You can send them to us at two girls, one goes podcast at gmail.com. And we would like to say thank you to Eric Foster at Avire Digital for editing this episode. And also we'd like to say thank you to our Patreon donors from the month of January. I can't believe it's already February. So this week we're saying thank you to our overactive sagers. Thank you to Samantha, James, Sally, Annie, and Aaron, Heather, Jerry, Jeremy, Aaron, Celine, Ellie, Linda, and Tabitha. And then thank you to our ill-gotten booty poppers. We have Lindsay, Anthony, Haley, Ignacio, Christine, Chrissy, Kiara, Laura, Bill, Haunted Friends, the podcast, Jared, Brianna, Sarah, Olivia, Ashley, Liz, and Abby Twig. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. We feel truly honored and grateful for all of your support. And it means so much to us. It really, really is very helpful and helps us make this podcast and continue doing it. So thank you. I think this might be the most successful pyramid scheme there ever was. <laughs> the most open, most successful open pyramid scheme there ever We're was. We're very open about it. Tell everyone. You know. Tell two friends. What's, an, what's life without transparency? Exactly. Do tell. 
There are so many ways to support us. So if you want to support us on Patreon, we will give you shout outs. You can get stickers and pick topics depending on the tier. We're also coming up with merch specific for our Patreon donors only. Yes, yes. Yes, It's coming soon. So if you're already a Patreon donor and you um, are in one of those tiers, just make sure everything's correct on your page, your your address is up to date, et cetera, et cetera, all that good stuff. And we will see see you on the other side. Very spooky.